It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, and welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Podcast Network. This is uh, our big episode 30, and we're back. We took a week off, just to let everybody get reset, uh, everybody get settled into their normal daily lives. And I'm one of your normal hosts, Gregory Bosco. And today, we, aside from Jeremy and Derek, our two regular hosts, we have a very special guest host, Heather Barker. She's uh, one of the managing partners of the Tricorder Transmissions Network. And is a huge Star Trek fan. She's very knowledgeable, knows a lot about the shows, about the movies, about the games. So we are very happy and also very lucky to have her on the show. So before the guys give their little intros, Heather, say a few words uh, as we welcome you onto the show. A few words. I'm really excited to be here, guys. Like, I am a fan of your podcast. I listen... Oh, I think I've listened to all of it at this point, um, and I appreciate the dialogue that you guys have. I appreciate that you talk about social issues, um, representation, diversity, and whatnot. It's it's important stuff, and it's one of the reasons why I love you guys so much, so I am thrilled to be here. Thank you. Oh, is that a thing we do? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was so nice. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. You deserve it. You really do. I, you know, I, podcasting is my second, you know, unpaid job. And <laughs> I, part of, part of that job is, is listening to other podcasts. And especially in the age of discovery, um, I wound up cutting out quite a lot of them. Uh, just, it, discussion that just wasn't appealing to me overly negative um or just a repeat of what everyone else was saying um and especially with your discovery episodes i every episode you you talked about subjects that were important to me and you talked about the episodes in ways that other people weren't so you deserve the credit well let's isolate that and make a commercial out of it (laughs) (laughs) no thank you heather i appreciate that Oh, I guess we need to introduce ourselves. I'm Jeremy. Hello. Hi, Jeremy. I'm Derek. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Done. Good job. Um, yeah, so we are going to be talking about two original series episodes for those who are just joining us. We have been taking the top four rated and the bottom four rated episodes of season one in TOS based solely off of the IMDb ratings. So trying to be as objective as you can be in that type of thing. Um, and pairing up a good episode with a bad episode. So on our last um, one, we talked about Mud's Women and Balance of Terror. Before that was The Alternative Factor in City on the Edge of Forever. And this week is Charlie X and Devil, uh, The Devil in the Dark. So, so, so once again, the bad episode focuses on sexism. <laughs> Third time in a row. <laughs> 
Well, and it's another example of an episode that was made at a certain date, but released out of order. Hmm. And when it first aired, it was like, what? It was the second episode to air formally. Mm-hmm. And when you, when obviously we're rewatching it, you know, 40 years later, and you're almost kind of laughing going, wow, this was the second episode and the series still survived. Because it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, I I know it's rated higher than Alternative Factor, but not by much. Okay, what what makes it bad to all of you? Well, um, overall, I find Charlie to be an incredibly creepy character, but not in any way that seems compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, and I'm sure that this particular part is not necessarily the actor's fault and more of a direction thing, but the way he uses his powers always came off really awkward and strange. His interactions with the crew are always kind of off the wall and make you feel kind of creeped out, especially when he's talking with um, Yeoman Rand at any time <laughs> at all. Um, and like Kirk is supposed to be this big kind of positive father figure character. And through most of the episode gives really stumbling kind of answers that don't say much. Yeah. Well, and like most of his sage wisdom seems to be, some like nicely delivered version of toxic masculinity where he's like here charlie let's let's get those urges out by throwing you around the gym for a little while it's like might as well say like let's go whittle something until (laughs) you are no longer slapping women on the ass it's just like very grandpa no yeah it's (laughs) a good equivalent is everything that the character q from next generation got right with having omnipotent powers is everything that charlie x got wrong (laughs) <laughs> and i'm okay with toxic masculinity if it's like good for like the story like spartans <laughs> like spartan warriors they're toxic they're masculine they're aggressive but it fits the story yeah this is the kind of masculinity where it's just it's so awkward and forced and doesn't fit the story that even people are like we don't hate him because he's mean or aggressive we hate him because he's he's creepy and weird mm-hmm. Well, and also so much of this is couched in like the concept of kind of alien youthful indiscretion or whatever. But Charlie looks like he's he's haggard at like a late 20s, mid 30s level. Like he does not read as like a youthful character. He reads like a creep. Well, the Klingons are a perfect comparison because Klingons are overly aggressive and masculine and all this. But it works because when people are aggressive back to them, they like it. It's like that's what they want. Yeah. When people are aggressive back to Charlie X, he he falls back into that whole mopey, you're just being mean to me. It's just, I don't know, even for the 60s, it's bad. Do you guys, like, do you know men like this? Because I, this is my life story. And I, you know, in the past, I've watched Charlie X, and I never really thought much about it, except that, you know, Charlie Evans is a well, the, the actor that plays him is a weird looking dude. So I was like, wow, that kid's weird. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, he's he's a huge creep. And, you know, it's a good thing that David didn't live very long and Kirk wasn't a father to him because Kirk's a terrible father figure. Um, and, and you know, the, the, the whole idea of, well, he's just a boy gets reinforced throughout the whole story. However, like there, there still is some morality where 
Even Yeoman Rand herself is like, you don't touch women like that. The unfortunate part is that she doesn't feel comfortable enough to tell him why. And as a woman, like, I have been in Rand's shoes so many times. And it's just watching it this time, like, in this age where toxic masculinity is a word that's in the news, like, every single day, I think that there's no better time to talk about this episode than now because... For me, I just, the way that I watched this was like, oh my gosh, like these, these guys are in my life all of the time. And even on, even online, like I deal with this being an admin of groups where people, oh, well, you're not being nice. Like (laughs) that, it's just like, I, you know, I enforce a rule in a private group. Like, yeah, it's a Facebook group. You have rules, whatever. Um, And I get messaged and I get attacked because I'm not being nice, basically. And so for me, I was like, wow, this is Charlie is those guys. I think that if this episode had been made now, it would have been handled better. Like, hopefully we would have seen something more from Kirk than there's no right way to smack a woman or whatever. You <laughs> slap a woman, hit a woman. Yeah. Um, well, to borrow one of your comments, it's almost like today the issue that people are identifying is it's like nobody teaches young men how to act, mm-hmm. which is like a perfect parallel for what happens in Charlie X. You know, I grew up with a Navy dad. If I talked back to my mom, I regretted talking back to my mom. And I'm not saying my dad took me out back behind the woodshed, but I learned the consequences from my actions. Mm -hmm. And half of this episode is Charlie X doing something wrong. And people, and no, it's like what Heather, you just said. It's like Kirk saying, you know, that's, there's no proper way to hit. There's never a right way to hit a, whatever, to slap a woman, or there's no proper way to slap a woman versus just saying, you don't slap a woman. Are you just... Unless she's beating you with a hammer or something, you don't slap a woman. Or you don't hit people, but, which he does. He does kind of go back and say, oh, you don't hit a man. But it's just like in this day and age, I think we would have been discussing the women in the show as women, not as girls. Um, and then saying, mm-hmm. you know, you just you don't hit people, even though we still see it in football. You don't slap people in the butt. Um, well, and didn't he do it because he saw another guy mm-hmm. do it? Yeah. So it's like well, right so off the bat. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Who's that guy? <laughs> they, they, they kind of excuse a lot of his behavior by creating this character who grew up without any human contact. So they can say, well, he just doesn't understand. And then nobody wants to actually explain it to him. Mm-hmm. Except right, so the- <laughs> Yeoman Rand herself, like she's the one, you know, she's, she's the victim here, basically. Um, yeah. And she's the one that that eventually had to stand up to him when he came into her room and was like, you know, why are you here? And, I, you know, I don't want anything from you. And, you know, no, get away from me. And thank goodness there was a button in her room that went straight to the bridge. Uh, I wish <laughs> I had that button in my life that could just alert people to come help me all the time. Because this is just the story of women and toxic masculinity that we we play nice like all throughout this episode you know he gives her a gift and it's her favorite perfume or whatever that bottle was and so she's like oh okay well thank you and then she even says you know come join me and thankfully it was a public space like that was great um and he was still super creepy in that that public space um but she's stuck 
in this position of you, you have to be nice up until a certain point because you don't know what's going to happen. And the minute that you're not nice, you are assaulted. And so all of this, I think, is is truthful to, to what we deal with as women with men like this. Um, and it's it's obviously not just teenage boys, it's men of all ages. And then even in the, the way that this episode ended, you know, Rand eventually, you know, she, she gets disappeared into the nether place. Then she comes back <laughs> and, you know, they take Charlie back and Rand is very shaken and she's crying. And I was like, well, okay, is she crying just because she's traumatized and thank goodness this is over and, and he's gone? Or was she like... Because that moment, it was almost like they were all like empathizing and, oh, well, he's human and he should be with his people. Like, were they upset that he had to go back? But Kirk says, you know, it's all over now. And to me, I kind of felt like that was a statement that, that, yes, this was a traumatic experience, especially for Rand. And it's over. Um, and of course, you know, we we don't see it come back up again because that's... TOS, uh, that's Star Trek yeah. for you. Um, but it's just a sad thing because it's not the first time that Rand gets assaulted um, combined with what, you know, Grace Lee Whitney was going through behind the scenes on Star Trek. Um, you know, it's it's a it's it's tough. And I'm not going to say that this episode was great or handled everything well, but I think that going back and looking at it from this perspective um, is is a powerful thing, and I think that the people should do that and should see what's there. And yeah, I mean he's he's a creepy guy to men, but for women, I mean this is just this reality. Like these guys are in my life all of the time, and if other people can can see that and recognize that and like see how much it hurt Rand and take something away from it, then that would be super awesome. Don't be a Charlie X. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel watching this episode like if this same plot were handled in, say, like next generation or later, I feel like Charlie would see like 45, 50% creepy behavior in, in the men on the crew, then reflect it back at them at like 100%, which is full what he did in this episode. And then the full arc of the plot would be them learning to not like not be 40% at all but i feel like the men in this episode didn't learn anything mm -hmm. they just kind of went well he's he's a big creep and we're all fine because we can all keep a cap on it but it's like no what you were doing was was giving him signals that made him behave in this way so maybe like reflect inwardly about what you're doing yeah. or how you treat people but i mean i have the same kind of problem with the ending of this one that i did with the the last bad one mud's women where at the end of the episode, everyone kind of shrugged at the concept of sex trafficking. And they're, <laughs> and they're like, well, I guess we're just going to leave these sex slaves on this mining planet and, and go on about our business. And it's just like, what? what? Why is this? <laughs> it's like, where's the episode where they go back and save these people? Not in Star it's Trek. It's that lack of... <laughs> right, exactly. It's that lack of kind of consequences moving forward in the old episodic style and in in this episode in charlie x i mean you really only focus on four male characters charlie of course and kirk and then spock and bones and both of them basically shrug off 
any responsibility at all whatsoever to Kirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the first opportunity they get is, well, this kid clearly respects you, Jim. So he's your problem. Tag, you're it. And that's all you hear from them. Well, I think right. one of the issues is they keep talking about he has like limited human contact. So he doesn't know how to react to people. But he's and I'm, I'm trying to use the best language I can to describe it. It's like he's creepy and aggressive towards women, but he's just like unusual around men. But if he's got limited human contact, for a storytelling aspect, he should have no idea how to act around anybody. Like, Mm -hmm. if he's creepy and aggressive to Rand, but also creepy and aggressive to other men, I think it would make a better episode in the fact that people could be like, all right, there's something wrong with this guy. Right, he's not feral, he's a sociopath. Yeah, Yeah, he's not, exactly, he's not feral, he's a sociopath. And they should have really highlighted that by going... Like, the whole mistreating Yeoman Rand but trying to listen to men, it's almost like, all right, did he, was he isolated or was he not? And well, and it, it, it was that Kirk, you know, Kirk was this hero captain, this hero to him, because it was, it was really Kirk that was the one man he would listen to. I mean, he, even, you know, with Spock and Spock's broken legs, and air quotes, um, the, the, the rest of the men, it was like, eh, but he, you know, he was doing crazy eyes at men left and right. So I, to me, it felt like Kirk was like the the main focus there of where the respect was coming from. And I don't understand why that was even a thing aside from this, just being Captain Kirk needs to be a hero in some respect again. Um, but I think it's, it's realistic. Like there are, there are men like this that are socially awkward, that have very little experience with women that do things like bring you gifts because this has happened to me in my life. They don't know how to talk to me at all, but they, they have other male friends or male figures in their life that, that they are comfortable with. So I feel like in so many aspects, like they, they got this character, right. As far as being a, you know, sociopathic, unsocialized, temperamental um, example of toxic masculinity, just within a, a man and not necessarily a boy. I, I don't like that it gets shrugged off as just being an adolescent because it's yeah. it's a prime example of many, many grown men. Um, well, and it was extra hard to watch. Uh, I watched this last night and basically all weekend there was a bunch of news coming out about the um, recent Santa Fe shooter mm-hmm. about how he was spurned by a girl yeah. and then came in and killed her. And that's exactly, I mean when he disappears her after she finally spurns his advances and says, says this is never going to happen. And, you know, someone else laughed at him for his lack of physical prowess, which is again, something they said about the Santa Fe shooter. It's just like, I hated the hell out of this guy. Cause it's just like, he's a broken evil person. Mm -hmm. And like for them to go with the kid gloves at the end to be like, Oh, we're going to treat him with utmost respect and, and make sure he's comfortable in our weird alien life. And it's like, no, tear him apart. Yeah. (laughs) It's like draw and quarter him. This is a monster. Yeah. Like there should have been no, Oh, we should keep him with us. It just should have been like, no, take him. He's gone. Get rid of him. Um, That would have been the, (laughs) the appropriate ending (laughs) to the show. And, Mm -hmm. and that didn't happen, which is, regrettable but you know it's just i've this episode has never resonated with me before the way that it does now um and i it it fascinates me but uh, 
being more of a known figure now as a podcaster and an admin of a a pretty large group on Facebook and dealing with behavior like this all of the time. Um, I just, I see it so much. And so for that, I give it props. Plus this was a beautifully lit movie, like earth movie Lord episode. The lighting in this episode was gorgeous. Like this one was made for color TV for sure. Um, they did get a little heavy handed with the single spotlight yes. over the eyes of Kirk. <laughs> Yes. He gets that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, how did they look look at anything with the light right there? But but I will give it that and uh I will give major props to Grace Lee Whitney because she did a great job in this episode. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah, there the the Kirk thing kind of bothers me throughout the whole episode. Um just because there's there's no reason for Charlie to respect him any more than anybody else. He already knew that he shouldn't respect the the um, cargo ship captain, and he doesn't respect the first officer or the doctor or anything like that. But it's Kirk's show, mm-hmm. which is the same thing with the lighting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's Kirk, so we're going to light him up differently than everybody else and yeah. make him seem, you know, more important because he's the captain. And maybe that's just because it was a 60s show and they they wouldn't do it like that today um yeah there was no woman of the week it was just charlie charlie x was the woman of the week <laughs> right right <laughs> but there's no weight to that you know the whole you know because even spock who's supposed to be the smartest person on the ship physically the strongest person on the ship um the old probably the oldest person on the ship and immediately is like well no, clearly jim the kid respects you much more mm-hmm. so you know your problem <laughs> uh which is just kind of contrived um as far as you know grace lee whitney is concerned you know she she had to do the bulk of the work in this episode and it's kind of a shame really because she's only in i think what the first eight episodes of the show um so this would have been about the last one she would have filmed since it was the eighth produced, even though it was just the second that was aired. So this very well may have been the last episode that she shot, which is unfortunate. I knew it. Charlie was 26 years old when they shot. Wow. (laughs) 17. Wow. (laughs) Well, but the age for, for Rand is a little confusing too, because the actor was 36. I don't, I mean, the character was supposed to be older than Charlie because of the the scene where uh, Rand introduces I'm drawing a blank on the other woman's name yeah. but introduces the other officer to um, to Charlie is supposed to be a lot younger closer to Charlie's age I guess we're probably supposed to assume 18 to 22 ish mm-hmm. yeah. right um, so the ages are kind of all over the place yeah but it was the 60s everybody looked old. <laughs> Everybody looked old. All right. Well, from another from another storytelling thing, and we've brought this up in the past before, the way Charlie treats Yeoman Rand and a bunch of the people on the ship, let's just focus on Rand. It's like, you remember, you get Derek and Jeremy, I brought this up on a couple episodes ago where, I remember the, the, the Star Trek Next Generation episode where Picard infiltrates Cardassian, gets captured, and then gets tortured for like a week. Yes. And they Four give him back, and there's like no repercussions whatsoever. Yeah. It's like Starfleet doesn't take any action. It's like the same thing here. You got a guy, Charlie X, who's kind of tormenting multiple people on the ship. And they're like, you shouldn't do that. That's a bad boy. But there's like no repercussions whatsoever. I mean, yeah, okay, the end of the episode happens. 
but it's another example and trek does this all the time and and heather i if you've listened to our shows you know i'm the guy that complains about all the time about (laughs) you know the moon obscured our magnetic field (laughs) it's just like another hand wave where this guy's literally horrible to women and just a jerk to men but there's no repercussions it's like if i acted like that and just at starbucks i'm gonna get tasered by somebody yeah well and why didn't they just like sedate him is what I'd love to know. Like the minute that he made the guy in the gym disappear and was obviously a threat, why don't they just sedate him? Like they put him, they tried to put him in a, behind a force field and he made that go bye-bye. I'm like, just put him under. Then he can't do anything. Didn't they try to sedate him at one point? I don't recall them trying to do that, but it's part of the, like they painted themselves into a corner by making this character not only your, your antagonist because he's this aggressive sexual predator type person, but also is essentially a Q who can do whatever they mm-hmm. want. So you can't just throw him in the brig because he can walk out of the yep. brig, yep. you know, yep. and it's still Star Trek. They're not going to just beam him in the space. Yeah. And you can't right? sedate him because then the story would be over and boring, but still, right. I just, it's <laughs> right. one of those things where I'm just like, come on guys, come on. Um, it's yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we all agree. And we wish, Something better, some better resolution. I mean, I don't know what life he was going back to. Uh, we don't know much about what his life was, but besides that they gave him those powers. Um, yeah. So he was terrified of my, it. My rewrite of the script would would have the reflecting of their own bad male habits back at them by Charlie and them learning the lesson at the end. Mm-hmm. But then you would also find out that he's a Q and it would just tie everything together and this is like young young q or something where it's like this is his first foray into being a piece of shit <laughs> to a, a starship crew <laughs> but it gets all confused at the end because there's a brief moment and maybe it wasn't intended and it was just the way it was shot or something but at the end when charlie's freaking out because he's got to go back rand almost like goes to grab yeah. him yeah. and it's bones i think that's standing next to her that stops her and i don't I'm curious what that was supposed to be. Like, I guess maybe she does feel bad for him because let's let's face it, he isn't a like going back sounds terrible, right? But he was pretty awful to her, so I would think yeah. that she'd be happy to see him leave. It's, it's it's tough because you know me in this situation. You know, I'm I'm a nice person, <laughs> number one, and I was raised to be compassionate to others um, and and cordial and nice and accommodating. Um, so I, there, there are people like this that I do feel for now up to the point where someone tried to assault me in my room. Um, at that point, I wouldn't feel any empathy for you because you tried to hurt me. Um, Uh but let alone blinking you out of existence. Exactly. Um, but that, yeah, that's why I mentioned that earlier. I found that, that ending confusing that she was, she did that. And then she was so emotional so it was like I wanted it to be because she was traumatized and the with Kirk saying, you know, it's over now that, OK, this traumatic time is over, not her feeling anything for the kid because he didn't deserve any any empathy there. Um, and that was definitely confusing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It made me feel like everyone was just way too quick to think about forgiving him. Right. Cause what are you going to do? You're going to let him stay. 
So what happens the next time somebody pisses him off a little bit? Even if it's not Rand, let's pretend for a moment that he learned his lesson, right? He's still got a short fuse. Somebody's going to say something that will set him off. And maybe, then maybe she was emotional because else... they're not just blowing him out the airlock. <laughs> <laughs> she laments the fact that she can't kill him with her own bare hands. Well, you know... <laughs> having him die is a bit more extreme right it's still star trek is the thing right they're not going to beam him into space they're just not going to do that well if that if if it was just some dudes wrote it that way so that they wanted rand they wanted rand to go after him or whatever then they they just were wrong and that's not how it works so thanks dudes um no no <laughs> you we'll see what's what's interesting that makes this episode even more confusing is that the teleplay was by DC Fontana. Uh, well, I could go down a whole rabbit hole about that. And even with, this, <laughs> with discovery, I adore um, DC Fontana, but even with discovery, which um, has a, a heavy female influ- influence, um, I still have some issues with certain things there. So um, just because a woman is involved doesn't always mean that a woman's perspective is really shown or comes through, um, especially in a room with many other male writers. You know, who knows? Um, mm-hmm. It's well, Before we go away from that, what are, I mean, we didn't have a female perspective as we talked about Discovery. What are your opinions on that? Oh, we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> that's, like I said, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> um to to go down the the whole discovery route will will have me back for that. <laughs> yes, I, it'll I'm, be good to yeah. do some discovery season one recapping yeah. before season two. Anyway. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, but to your point, Heather, I mean this the story is credited to Gene Roddenberry, so I'm sure he wrote the original um, treatment or whatever you would call it, and then she adapted it. Fontana adapted it for for the mm-hmm. teleplay so maybe yeah. she didn't have a lot of leeway creatively well and it, it even yeah. comes down to you're in the room filming and whoever's directing the episode says no i want you to do this and i want you to reach out to him like it that that act may not have been in the story at all it may have just come out when they were filming um yeah so well and also looking at it through through the lens of time i mean he is doing all of these things and he is portrayed as this evil that's that's holding the ship hostage like looking at it at what kind of things would have been on at the same time as this like heroic characters would be slapping women in the ass or or like demanding you know attention from women whereas he's doing these same things and is portrayed as this like cosmic threat that needs to be punished in some way so it's like he didn't get his full comeuppance but he was still portrayed by the show as a villain whereas other shows in this time period would not have tackled this issue in the same way so it's like you know he didn't he didn't get torn apart by wolves which is what we all would have wanted and all of the men were kind of Eh, gross and and a little too accommodating of his behavior but his behavior was still portrayed as like you know he was a horror movie monster mm-hmm. that was like terrorizing these people with his gross male behaviors so it's like at the end of the day it was pointing in the right direction it just didn't go very far it didn't because at the end of the day he was just a boy 
Right. <laughs> so, but no, I, it, yeah, I'm glad, I'm really glad I got to talk about this episode with you guys because it just, I knew you would be the right guys to talk about it with. So thank you. Ooh, thank you. Absolutely. Um, anything else anybody would like to talk about for Charlie X before we move on to our second episode? Where did the X come from? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I don't know. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I know lots of weird little facts about this episode, but I never bothered to look that up. Um, for for example, we talk about how a lot of the original series episodes were aired out of order from production. And this episode uh, was actually not supposed to be here at all because um, it was all on the ship. There wasn't a lot of like action or anything like that. So the network was nervous about putting it early in the run because they were still trying to get people interested. But because of all of that, it was done being produced before other episodes and other episodes were being pushed and missing their deadlines. So they either put out this episode or no episode Mm. Um, was kind of how that happened. Maybe, Um, maybe it was that it was X before it became Q. (laughs) I guess it's, it's probably X because nobody knows what his last name is. Evans. I mean, yeah. Charlie Evans. Um, you're right. Yeah. Maybe it's X because he's so male. (laughs) He's so extra awful. (laughs) X chromosome. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm not. Wait, men are, men get the Y chromosome. Oh, damn it. Yeah. I should have, I should have known that. Okay. Hey, (laughs) I was going to say something, but I mean, yes, technically, technically men have an X chromosome as well, but well, yeah. Anyways, let's go to Devil in the Dark because it's, a good, it's an actual good <laughs> one, episode. One quick thing. The Charlie X song is my favorite um, five-year mission song. I don't know if you guys listen to them at all, but they're a super great Star Trek band and their Charlie X song is awesome. So I like to go like watch the episode and then go listen to the song. And here's where uh, Derek will put in a quick clip of that song. Woo-hoo! Actually, a fun, fun little tidbit is this this episode has a singing moment mm-hmm. with between Spock and Uhura, which was kind of where the idea came from to really spark the relationship between Spock and Uhura in the Kelvin movies, since there were some original plans for mm-hmm. that that were scrapped in the original series. So, hmm. yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact. Um, all right. So the devil in the dark, uh, later episode in season one, towards the end of season one, this is the 25th episode of the original series takes place in the year 2267. So a year after Charlie X. So excited um, about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just I'm trying, I'm just providing factual information here and yeah. trying to punch it up a little bit. Um, anyway, so this episode's got some interesting stuff in it, uh, mainly the very first look at the Vulcan mind meld. Oh, cool. If I remember correctly. Um, it's kind of a cool episode. What do you guys, how do you feel about this one? 
there is a non-zero chance I fell asleep during halfway through. <laughs> so I'm a little foggy on the tail end oh. after the Horta is introduced, but what I remember was fun. You're killing me, man. Charlie X took a lot out of me. I'm sorry. We're doing two episodes a week. I watch them Sunday night. It, no, I think that's an interesting note because this this episode is, you know, obviously it's one of the highest rated. And among my circle of friends, it is a favorite of so, so many. Um, it's, it's up there for me. It's not my absolute favorite, but um, being an animal person, I, I love the Horta. Um, but I I did have a hard time really watching. I watched this I think three times before the podcast um, over <laughs> right. the the past weekend. So yeah, I it's it's a slower episode for sure. Um, but it is a really interesting like uh, being in the mines, like the set for this episode. We had some some neat matte paintings. And then all the, the mine cave stuff and the pizza monster Horda thing herself, um, which is pizza the hut. yeah totally a dude in a costume. I love it. Um, you could just... It must have been an expensive episode yeah. from a set perspective. Yeah. Opposite of Charlie X, because, you know, Charlie X was a bottle episode, basically. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, that's, that's a note that I mentally made and meant to bring up was... This one absolutely had so much more. Um, there was a lot to it. You know, this is the ultimate morality tale of don't fear what you don't understand. Um, and absolutely. I, it, it comes up again in Star Trek, this theme. And even um, in Discovery, it came up. And I just, I side note, I talk about Discovery a lot because I do a Discovery show. So that's why. Um, but <laughs> But yeah, with you know the tardigrade, this this episode got brought up in those discussions and the similarities there. So I certainly understand why why it's a favorite. Um, but I, I don't have as much to say about this episode as I did Charlie X, which is fascinating. <laughs> I do think it shows some of the the pacing differences between '60s television and even '90s versus today that it is a slower episode, right? I feel like you could probably shave off 15 minutes and not lose any of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's kind of drawn out. There's lots of slower scenes where maybe no one's really talking at all or responses are, are spaced out more. Um, but this is one of my favorite episodes of the original series just because of the concept behind it, the idea that, you know, there is life completely different from anything that we have, uh, which as you said, comes up in Star Trek many, many times. Um, you know, Voyager tackles it quite a bit with photonic life, mm-hmm. you know, with the whole Bride of Chaotica episode and, and things like that. So I like when Star Trek pushes us to look at things that are just completely different from us. Because, yeah, Spock's an alien, but, you know, he's half human and he's looks pretty human and talks just like we do and all of that. Um, whereas the Horta wouldn't even necessarily show up as a life form. Unless you knew what you were Well, it's nice for. having a quote-unquote... It's not a villain by any stretch of the means. But it's nice having a quote like an antagonist of the episode. That It's just like Next Generation. They had the Home Soil episode where those terraformers discover silicon-based life form. Those micro-brain things that they beam aboard and try to take over the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. But they weren't a villain. They were like, look, you would, 
you're drilling into our soil. You're burning off our water. You're killing where our people are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even the Silicon Entity in Next Generation, yeah, it destroyed planets, which is horrible. But even Picard's like, well, wait a second. This is another life form in this universe that we share. And it probably thinks what we do is horrible. Yeah. Same. And I like that. Oh, go ahead. Heather. No, I was just going to say it's the same with Tardigrade. Like Tardigrade killed Landry, killed, you know, who knows what on the, the Glen. And it, you know, just turns out, hey, it just wants to eat spores and go around the universe and is completely harmless. Um, and so the we have Michael Michael Burnham basically filling in for, for Spock. <laughs> well, yeah, mm-hmm. and the Hort does the same way. I mean, I look at people in the grocery store that get too close to my daughter and my wife get my wife sees them and imagine being the last mother of a species protecting the last egg nest of your species and there's people blowing up your home around you mm-hmm. you're not going to care about them you're going to do whatever you need to do to protect them so it's it's again it's nice not having a villain of the week that's just so easy to do and i like how we kind of take the journey through kirk's perspective because Early on, Spock is convinced that something else is going on, mm-hmm. and you know Kirk's the one who has to be convinced, because even Kirk tries to come up with an excuse for why Spock shouldn't necessarily be down there, right? Because he does I always took it as thinking Spock wasn't going to be objective or something like that. Um, so you have to go along with Kirk as Kirk is convinced that maybe there is more to this than it's just being a, a, a bloodthirsty monster, right? Um, you of course have the eggs, which are just this the spheres. Um, I don't I don't know about you guys, but that that seemed a little heavy handed early on in the episode. But maybe it's just because I've been watching it since I was a kid. I don't. Know. I thought well, they didn't they didn't hold any of those sphere props like they had any mass to them. They all looked like like dodgeballs. Yeah, and they kind of <laughs> wielded them like they had no weight. And I was just like, well, this is. I mean, that's styrofoam, obviously. Well, it was the '60s. What do you want? Yeah, and I think that's kind of that's the the sixtiesness of it of why I struggled with it because uh, I mean I'm this is the first time I'm watching all of these episodes. I never watched the original series as as a boy, um, and I've seen so many things that probably use this story as a template that this story watching it, you know, as it's new to me just dragged on because I knew exactly how it was going to go because I've seen this story a million times already and it doesn't have all of the nuances that have been layered on by by writing you know standards in the decade since it's just the first version of this which is pretty much just a labored you know single tick sci-fi story that I've seen a million times so I think that's what it was it's just like this is so prototypical or archetypical for me it was just like okay, I, I know where this is going in the first 10 minutes. My mind couldn't turn off now. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. I mean, it's one of the problems with Star Trek when you've got nearly 750 episodes. There are things that repeat themselves yeah. quite a bit. Um, like the episode Greg was talking about in TNG is almost the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, It came up in um, a show over on my network, um, and I don't remember if they were talking about this episode or not, but um, just about, you know, how television has changed and how we watch television and how maybe um, younger people now that go back and watch TOS, which I know many that, you know, were came in with the, the 2009 film 
never having watched Star Trek. They just saw this movie and then they went back and watched the entire library of Star Trek. And I'm 37 in two weeks. And so these are people, you know, 10, 15 years younger than I am. They get to TOS and, you know, back in the day, like this, this was the pacing of, of a lot of television. Um, I think that, you know, there were other shows on that were obviously more action oriented um, and, and not as slow, but this isn't what TV is now. Like a show like TOS with that pacing would not last on, on TV today. And so do younger people have a harder time watching TOS because what we watch now is, is so different. Um, yes. I mean, Jeremy, you can probably speak to that better than the rest of us since you, you are new to it. Yeah, and I mean, that's a big reason I never went back and watched TOS is I knew, I mean, even these good episodes, while they're good, I would I would rather see them edited down to 25, 30 minutes because it's, there's there's barely a B story. It's always just one thing that's just drawn out yeah. for an hour. And it, it is kind of exhausting to my to my modern millennial sensibilities yeah i i mean i admittedly you know i've seen tos many many times and so now i will sometimes put it on like just to nap too because (laughs) it's you know the voices of our beloved actors and all the little star trek you know the enterprise beep noises and it's just good it's good for napping but i I think this weekend, you know, I was ill and so I was just watching various episodes and um what's the one with Garth the Visar? I can't think of the title of it. With say it one more um, time. Garth the Visar and um, Oh it's got the Orion girl. I feel so stupid that I can't think of the name of the episode I just watched. But you know that no, I, that yeah. episode too. It it drags, and you know when I do my my rewatches, I admittedly fall asleep through a lot of the episodes because of that reason. Um, but in the same respect, there are episodes of pretty much all the other series except Discovery um, that I do the same. I don't I don't think there's any way I could sleep through an episode of Discovery un- unless I was just exhausted. But there are definitely episodes of TNG. DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, that that I still sleep to. That said, I would like to see some more episodes of Discovery that I could sleep through, because it would be nice to see kind of a, uh, a sleepier episode of them where they're not mm-hmm. in peril danger from second one of the episode. Oh. We're going to have a good discussion. <laughs> when I come back, when we do this Discovery stuff, it's going to be good, because I have thoughts on that too, but I don't want to oh, take away what from... Kinds of- this. notes yes jot jot everything down um see tos has the disadvantage of it not only having 60s pacing but and style from only mainly having an a plot and rarely a b plot or no c plot at all they're also longer episodes mm-hmm. you know by voyager the episodes were 47 and fewer minutes and these episodes are usually around 52 53 minutes so you've got five six seven extra minutes of content with even less going on and when you're like me and you fall asleep through the last third of the episode and then it auto plays two more episodes sometimes the episodes can be three four hours long <laughs> <laughs> well and i think another good fair modern comparison is and you know i know this is not going to surprise you guys but i'm making a game of thrones reference 
You know, the Game of Thrones show has so like a C, D, E, and F plot in every episode that yeah. people just don't care anymore. It's like nobody wants to watch Sam and Gilly traveling for 15 minutes at a time <laughs> and spend 30 seconds on do. Tyrion or 30 seconds on Jamie or 30 seconds on Daenerys. I do. They want to know what the hell Daenerys is doing. They want to know what the main characters are doing. And the A, the A plots are so far forgotten that people are like, well, what were we doing again? How did we get to Westeros in <laughs> 13 minutes why are we in westworld now yeah why are we in westworld now what's going on i think the i think that the discovery comparison too is pretty spot on because it's it's very much you know it's the game of thrones of star trek is is what they're they were advertising it as or saying it would be etc um and a lot of the discussions i've had is especially with having only 13 episodes of a series um because we we lose character development when you're focusing on five different characters or five different storylines at a time, you don't have the ability to um, do a deep dive into who a character really is. So sorry to tangent this, but like with the Saru episode, you know, um, or Siwis uh, Pacum Parabellum, I think was the name of that one. Is that the alien transmitter planet? Yeah. And so we were told, you know, that was written by Kristen Beyer and this was the Saru episode. And so myself and many of the people I know were thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to learn more about the Kelpians. We're going to learn about the predator on the Kelpian planet. Um, We may go to the Kelpian planet. And that really wasn't what that episode was at all. It it did have some character development. I put in air quotes for Saru. But it it wasn't what we know and love of Star Trek, really focusing on one or two characters at a time. And so, it, go ahead. Not only that, but it, it was Saru not acting like Saru. So not only was it not into his origin, it was him not acting like himself. So it was like, well, this isn't really a Saru episode. This is a Saru mind control episode. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to send you a link to my Saru Disco Trek episode that I'm recording Wednesday because I'm going to talk about that because I think that you still can get stuff out of it um, for Saru. But back to the, the point. Yeah, it's I miss the slower pacing and, and having more time to, to focus. Like we got a lot out of Spock, like both Spock and... And Kirk in this episode, um, you know, I'm not going to say character development wise, we didn't learn a whole, whole lot with Kirk, but with Spock, we got to see the Vulcan mind meld and, you know, amazing job by Leonard Nimoy doing that, because I certainly felt like he was communicating what the Horta was saying to him. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why this episode is celebrated by so many is the performance of Leonard Nimoy, um, aside from the morality tale that's there, but it's, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat where it's like, yes, some of these episodes put me to sleep, but at the same time, I definitely would like the, like more time to get to know people better. Um, and to have a quality episode where if there is an A and B plot, you're getting something out of both of those. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's got a couple of good moments for Bones as well, because, you know, this is a guy mm-hmm. who is basically said, like, this is a rock, Jim. You know, it's, it's where he, you know, he has the, his famous line, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer, yeah. <laughs> which is a great one. Um, but by the end of the episode, you know, he's had like this total revelation about what he's able to accomplish as a healer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a big moment for him. 
Sorry, what was that, Jeremy? I said that wouldn't be a bricklayer, that would be a geologist. Well, that's what he said, so... <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I love the fact that I think it you know it was Kirk that said, you know, you're a healer, heal it. Um, because that that really is what McCoy is. He's a healer and not, you know, it's not just, uh, how do I say this? Like you think, oh, well, you're a medical person who can mostly do stuff for human beings and learning about some aliens. And this is still a living being. And he still has the knowledge and expertise to figure something out. And he did exactly that. And then he was super happy that he did with all that silicon goop stuff on his hands that he shoved into the Horta and healed it. But hey, um, I think it was great that, you know, this this episode had a happy ending. <laughs> um, it had yeah. a resolution. Unlike Charlie X, um, like you ended this episode feeling good and the Horta and her millions of babies are all going to live and the miners are all going to live and no one will be killed again. And we'll never talk about the Horta or this planet ever. Um, it was a nice, a nice Star Trek episode with the bow at the end, which is what so many of us love about Star Trek. Yet the title of the episode slanders the Horta. It does. Calling it a devil. It does. Well, they do call them that in the episode before they know what mm-hmm. it is. You know, like, oh, he said the thing, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there's some, some cool facts about this episode. Um, as I was reading through it, I, I learned some really interesting things. Did you know this is the only episode of the original series that has no woman speaking? Bummer. Oh, great. Fun fact. So... Yeah, there's an interesting fact for you. Wait, does the Horta count? It says no kill I. Like well, it, it doesn't, doesn't speak. It, ha- it doesn't. It doesn't speak. <laughs> it writes. So I, I frame that in a specific way, but because uh, all of the miners are men, mm-hmm. and you really only see Kirk, Spock, and Bones plus a few security officers. Yeah, I think. I, guess see, I think one thing Scotty for me that point, this episode but, suffered yeah, yeah. was uh, the fact that we just watched Mud's Women, and I have a inherent bias against Star Trek minors. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all bad, Jeremy. I suppose not. Though these guys were ready to physically assault and knock out Starfleet officers to go kill a, a rock creature. Yeah. So yeah, you know. I mean, that does take a turn, right? So like, you talk about whether or not there's a villain in this episode, and it almost becomes the miners, because mm-hmm. they do take down the Enterprise security officers. Look, I blame the security officers for, for that one. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. you got to maintain constant vigilance. Yeah, that's true. you got a bunch of drunken, beard-up miners. I mean, really? At least point an A-phaser at them. <laughs> this is a stun setting. They'll be fine. Oh, Shatner's dad died during the filming of this episode. Yeah, he oh, did. Oh, yeah. And that's a bummer. I forgot. That was actually one of the reasons I remember reading that Kirk said this was his favorite favorite episode to film mm-hmm. was, aside from the, uh, he actually highlighted um, Sp- uh, Leonard Nimoy's performance, Spock's performance, but he also mentioned his father dying. Yeah. Yeah. He said Nimoy talking to the rock cheered him up. Huh. I remember. Yeah, I remember that. I'd forgotten. I mean, I do think it is one of Nimoy's best performances in in the actual original show, because um, he's got to go through some pretty intense emotions against what is essentially a a mm-hmm. prop, 
you know, I mean, yeah, there's a person in there, but it's not like you're acting off of that person, you know? Um, so it's a difficult thing to do and it's, it's pretty intense, crazy emotion that he's also, you know, usually supposed to keep in and, and all of that. So, well, and it's, you know, um, it's not just his job to act, but he has to act, you know, for the Horta. He has to make us believe that it's the Horta that's saying this and feeling all of that emotion um, channeled through him. And I, I think he did a good job of it. Um, that's something that I struggle with with the entirety of Star Trek is when between the dialogue and the acting, it just seems fake. Um, like this was my when I when I didn't watch Star Trek when I was young, I didn't, I'm a 2009er guys, believe it or not. Um, I had watched Star Trek, a little bit of Star Trek before that, but I didn't grow up watching Star Trek. And I explicitly remember watching an episode of Voyager and it was just bad. It was really bad. And I was like, well, I, (laughs) man, I don't want to watch this. Um, And Every now and then there's an episode of Star Trek where it's just like, oh, man, um, this is not very good. But the, you know, <laughs> it's it's Leonard Nimoy, <laughs> number one, who's such a, you know, he was a gift to us. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he did a phenomenal job. Um, I don't think this episode got nominated for awards or anything. I don't think, were there awards back then? There weren't Emmys yet, were there? Um, that was just TNG and on. But um, definitely deserving of the the applaud that he gets for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I grew up with Trek, so I don't remember a time where Star Trek wasn't in my life because TNG aired when I was six months old and my dad was watching it at that moment in time and brought me up on the original series. So, like, these episodes are just, that's what I'm used mm-hmm. to, I think. Um and that, don't get me wrong, there are some bad episodes like Charlie X, Mud's Women, Code of Honor, <laughs> Shades of Grey, or, you know, uh, These Are the Voyages. Uh, <laughs> there are bad episodes of Star Trek, to be sure. Um, yeah, maybe this isn't the best way to experience this show for the first time, seeing all of the worst episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're also seeing the best episodes, See, I think that's that's the key is you're, you're getting the balance of the best and the worst. And because there's a lot of middle of the road episodes that are fine. Mm-hmm. Right. But the balance of watching a negative one and a one is zero. <laughs> so I'm kind exactly. of exactly. So I'm just keeping you even. All right. Even me out. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm dead inside. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Look, I was trying to find a way for us to know, watch know, a good chunk of the show <laughs> without having to record a thousand episodes. All right. <laughs> Um, all right. So anything else for the devil in the dark? No, I think I'm done from, from where I'm sitting. Yeah. No kill. I no No kill. I, which is the name of a Star Trek themed punk band. I don't know that. I didn't know that. According to memory alpha. Oh, nice. Well, uh, next week we are going to be watching Space Seed, which is the Khan episode, and Miri, which I don't think is anywhere near as bad as its rating says that it is, but um, that's just me. So we do have a guest for next week's episode, too, so that that is exciting. Um, that we'll have two guests back-to-back is pretty cool. Um, Heather, 
thank you so much for joining us, but why don't you tell people where they can find you and your shows? Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been great. And I hope that you'll have me back. Um, I, Absolutely. As I, I got to hear your hot takes. Yay. Um, yes. All the discovery. I love discovery. So I'm going to talk all about it. Um, you can find me over at the Tricorder Transmissions Network, which is, you know, on the web, www.thetricordertransmissions.com. Um, we're on Twitter. My shows are Shore Leave and Disco Trek. And my personal Twitter handle is LLA Posper, which is L-L-A-P-A-W-S-P-E-R. And that is because I am not only a Trekkie, but I love animals and I take care of them for a living. So, yay, cute name. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well, we loved having you on the show. This was really great. I'm glad we were able to have you on, and we will definitely have you back. So thank you. Um, I guess that's it for us. So, Greg, where can people find you? You can find me on Yahoo and Twitter at the underscore bittersteel. And Jeremy? Uh, I am on Twitter at ZenMunkin, and I'm doing a uh, Westworld show on Sundays called Analysis. Ooh, I'm going to check that out. It's pretty good. Fantastic. And I am the Star Trek dude on Twitter and Facebook. You can also find me on Screen Heroes and Gamer Heroes, two other shows on the network that I also co-host. Thank you so much for joining us. We will catch you next week. Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network. The show is hosted by myself, Gregory Bosco, along with Jeremy Munkin and Derek Mayer. The theme song is by Flying Killer Robots. You can find us as well as other Heroes Podcast Network shows at heroespodcast.com, as well as on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, and anywhere you can use an RSS feed. Follow us on social media at Heroes Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And you can also email us at contact at heroespodcast.com. Engage. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.